We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. Welcome back to another refreshing edition of Corn Nations of Bangarangs and Daggers. I am your host, Patrick Gerhardt, and unfortunately, my co-host, Nate McHugh, cannot be with us tonight. He is off being busy with other adventures, and I am sure we'll hear all about them next week. With that said, we do have a special treat for all of you today. This special guest for our episode has a voice that many of you should know. Who I am talking about is the Big Red Cobcast co-host, former Coronation podcaster and writer, and Auburn, Nebraska's favorite son, Pat Jansen. Pat, welcome uh, to our little I, podcast. I feel like you've given me too much credit when there are two Kelsey brothers from Auburn, Nebraska. <laughs> they don't know where I live, though. Well, it's true. It's true. They, I, they've got, they've got families to take care of, and I think that well, they're living in Omaha now. So you know, you, you've got a little bit of a safe distance. What are they? What are those guys doing now? They work for a, what is it? It's a trucking company. They, they do like sales. They're fairly high ranking with them. Is so it, I, are they with Warner? No, I, I've drawn. They, they advertise a lot on Husker games, gotcha. and I, I'm drawing a blank on the name. But they they're doing pretty well for themselves. I mean they they were smart guys always anyway. Like I was gonna they, say, it's, uh, they were always winning like all conference academic and stuff, right? Yeah, like they were they were legit smart dudes because uh, Chris, like I think, came pretty close to going to Michigan, uh, which would have been crazy. Like that would have been unacceptable. But I mean, he had I want to say it was like a thirty-five on his ACT because they have like a twenty-year like. Their acceptance rate at Michigan's like in the twenties, I think. It's yeah, it's it's not for stupid more, kids. No, no, not at all. It's uh, it's it's almost on par with Wayne State. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and Wayne State's where you went to school, right? It is, yeah. That's okay. That's that's technically kind of up in the neck, my neck of the woods. Yeah, I mean, uh, Newman Grove is technically northeast Nebraska, right? Yeah, it is. It, it's kind of the southwestern edge of it, but yeah, we're considered northeast Nebraska. But what years did you go there? Uh, 02 to 06. Nice. And that's where you met your your uh, current co-host of the Cobcast, right? Yeah, yeah. We're we're the we're the embodiment of Husker fans. We're like I'd say like 75% didn't actually go to Nebraska because it's it's the one it's the one school where you can say it really ties to the state name, and so yeah, I, I, I don't know. We fit that bill. No, totally. And, and Wayne State, Wayne State's a good school. At least I, I, I always thought it was. I had a lot of friends who went to it who got a lot out of it. I know, I know. Tweety's not a huge fan, but Tweety, Tweety's not a fan of anything. <laughs> I mean, other than like Lawrence Phillips. That's a loaded which, subject, right there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like <laughs> I feel like there are probably better places to. Uh, you place your, uh, I don't know, your passions. Out of all the crosses to die on. Yeah, there, there are probably more efficient crosses to die on. Let's, but let's Tweety loves a good fight. Oh, Tweety loves a good And he does well. Now, yeah. one, one thing, you guys used to be on Coronation. 
Correct. And you guys have since moved on to Husker Max. How's that transition been for you guys? It's good. Uh, Tweedy had a, a real good relationship with Dave from, from Husker Max from because he did uh, Through These Gates, the documentary, and they toured together on that. So there's been kind of a long working relationship there. Um, you know, we've, <laughs> we've, there are some parts that we still keep on Husker Max and some parts that we don't just because, uh, speaking of Tweety, he loves certain words. Well, one word that Dave wouldn't let him say. <laughs> uh, so, which by the way, I should ask, is there, is there a language, uh, barrier or is there anything that, that can or cannot be said on this one? No, I mean, we, we technically, Nate and I try to keep it clean because I think there's cool. enough, I, I, just for the pure fact, and that's why I wasn't worried about you coming on because, <laughs> you, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we've all got salty voices, but uh, you don't tend to use yours too much, at least on the Cobcast. But I, I try to just because I know we have, you know, dads and moms who listen to this with their kids Fair and enough. whatnot. And I want to, we're new enough, this is like our eighth episode, so we're trying to get as much, you know, much of an audience as we can get. I get it, so, man. I get it. But you know, there's uh, there's benefits, you know, to swearing. I'm I'm not anti it. You know, some of my favorite podcasts out there that has tons of swearing. So it's 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 not an anti thing, but you know, there's pros and cons to it. But I no, don't worry about. it. I mean, we're still run by John Johnston. <laughs> it's fair enough. That that's you know that that's probably the easiest and quickest answer to that question. <laughs> Yeah, no, but no things things have been going well for you guys over there. I know you have, yeah. has your audience expanded because you've moved over. Not because I mean it's it's continued just so we're we've been going for about five years now. Uh, I've been a part of it for a little over so it's been about five and a half years, and I've been a part of it for about four and a half. And I. The, the audience has been growing like so it started at Husker Max, then it moved to Coronation, then back to Husker Max. And through all that, the audience has remained consistently upward. Uh, it's a matter of, you know, we've we've staked out pretty clearly who we are. Uh, I mean, we've got very three pretty distinct personalities between Tweety, Joe and me. And I think uh, people are just figuring out who we are. And it's what's great about those three distinct personalities Everyone's got a different favorite and least favorite amongst the three of us. Uh, and it's funny because I do the I do the Cobcast Twitter. I, I see who everyone's favorite and least favorites are. And it's uh, it's it's kind of a fun experiment to just go through it all. And Joe, Joe's been off and on for quite some time, but only in the last year has he come on full time, correct? Well, actually, he and Tweety started it. Uh, they they came up with it together um, Joe and Mike, uh, well, Joe's brother, they, they just kind of like alternated for a while. Um, but Joe, Joe's busy. He's a dad and does a fair bit of acting too. So, you know, we, he was kind of on and off, but he's, he's, he's gotten consistent again. I think, <laughs> I think it has to do with that. Now we're making a little bit of money. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm good to go full time now. Nice, nice. He's like, I can commit to this. I can justify it with my family. Yeah, yeah. That's fully understandable. Speaking of jobs, you, okay, so you are a stand-up comedian, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you do. Show up and, show up and things on TV every now and then, but yeah. It, yeah, I saw you, you know, I think an insurance ad about a year ago. Uh, Remax, probably. Remax, there we go. Yeah, it was Remax. And also, you were on the cover of an album, right? 
Yeah, there's a British band called the uh, Glass Animals. Uh, I was on the the cover of their album and in the the first music video of their second album, um, and that one was super cool because like they're actually just a really good band, and then they've been really cool to me uh, ever since then too. Because basically, anytime they swing through LA. I just contact their manager and like, Hey, can I get into the show? And so my wife and I basically go to all their shows out here whenever they come in. Oh, that's nice. That's great. Yeah, no, I am. I actually have that album. It's really game. I got it on a whim. I got it on a whim, not thinking that you were on it. And after a while (laughs) I picked up on a couple things and I pulled it out and I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's, that's Pat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I watched the video you're in and I'm like, Hey, he's in that too. Okay, cool. Wow. This guy's (laughs) It's funny, so the, they they did an album that was 12 songs based on 12 different characters, and my character was the, the one that the first single was based on. And so they uh, they arranged us for the, the, the main album cover, like all of us, uh, for a, a photo shoot. And the guy uh, next to me, he, he's like a basketball player, and he actually played college basketball, and he was taller than me. But they wanted to make it even more of it because my character is kind of like a nerd. So they put so he's already like six, eight, six, nine. I'm about six foot five. And then they put him on uh, an Apple box and then they put some other old guy on an Apple box next to him trying to make me look as short as possible because uh, apparently six foot five doesn't read nerdy, I guess, in photos. But I can tell you, I've been six foot five and nerdy for a long time. You come across as tall in the photo. Oh, do I? Well, just, I? Maybe just because it just you kind of look at everybody else in the photo, and you nah. start doing like, well, arm length, leg length, you know, torso, and it's like, nah, you're still tall. <laughs> well, they, a lot of actors are very, very little too, uh, including the the little kid on the on the big wheel. He's he was like four. Oh, oh wow! So that he's, wasn't he's... That, that wasn't Tweety. <laughs> He's he's the most famous actor out of all of us, and uh, on the cover of that album, that kid shows up on TV all the time. Real, I'll, oh god, I have to pull that out tonight and look for him. <laughs> Jeez, and the band crazy. loves him, man. He he is absolutely their favorite one. They uh, they did some uh, they did a big release party that they, was like a secret thing, and then they just sent it out to all their fans. And if you responded quickly, you could go. And so they had uh, as many of the characters there as possible, and you. Uh, it was kind of like this interactive thing. And then they, and then they did a show and they brought this kid out. Like he was Simba from the lion King, just like holding him above the crowd. And everybody just, this kid's not going to grow up with issues. Well, his family, they, (laughs) they, they keep him. I don't know. I, I, I've worked with enough kids out here that you're like, Oh, that seems like a good stage parent. That seems like what you expect because I, I've had to do enough, commercials like either auditions or actual commercials like kids and there are ones where you're like oh they're not going to be screwed up and and then there are others where you're like oh man you're already screwed up uh it's you can it's tell so you, you, weird. Can, you can tell that quickly huh i mean maybe i'm wrong but i mean i've only <laughs> i've only been out here like five years but uh i i don't know you just i feel like you can get the vibe because like i did a coles commercial once and there was uh the only reason I got cast is because they were trying to find three people who looked like they could be related, like the husband, the wife, and the kid. And uh, 
yeah, like the mom was doing homework with the kid. I'm like, all right, that seems all right. I I feel less dirty doing this. It's not like just some random kid sitting there eating a Kit Kat, and when it's time to come on, he comes on, and nobody supervises him after. No, I, well, they have to have parents on set. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can imagine the child labor laws out there are probably pretty strict nowadays. Yeah, it still wouldn't be a thing I'd want to have my kid ever do, though. Yeah, understandable. Do you, okay, so you do stand-up, you do a little acting. Uh, is there anything else you do out there? Well, I mean, everyone, there there are three things everyone says they do out here, except, except my wife, who's an academic, but, uh, like, she's finishing up her PhD, but I... I'm a, I'm a writer, actor, comedian, and then podcaster. I guess that's four things, and everyone says they do those things. It's just, a, you know, how often do you get paid to do those things? I, I also have a job at a uh, at a at a, an institution that has a Division One athletics program, but I don't work in the athletic department. I used to work in college athletic departments, but I work uh, doing communications for an academic institute at USC. Oh, nice. That's my that's my day job. So you're 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 kind of technically a Trojan. I guess. Yeah. At least you get paid. To have... be, you get paid to be a Trojan. You're just like the football players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I well, you see them. You know, for as many students as they have, it's really not that big a campus. And like, I saw like Warren G's dad or Warren G's son uh, who plays for the team. Uh, he came into my building one day, and then the, that blind long snapper uh, who they did a big story on on ESPN. Hey, he's been on college him. game day a few times. Yeah, I see him walking around with his dog a lot. Um, like, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Um, I can't think of the guy's name either. Well, the, the quarterback, uh, Sam Darnold, there we go. Okay. Would see him around campus a lot, and then right after he got drafted, he came back to, like, he's he's got a pretty distinctive look. Uh, he, he, he looks like, like kind of a lightweight offensive lineman. He's just gigantic. Really? That big? Yeah. Well, he's got, he's got a big round face too. It mm. doesn't look like a quarterback. St- still has his baby fat. Yeah. Well, he's, he's just got like, I don't know, the, a giant bone structure of a jaw that is like, I, the, I don't know. It, if someone had decided to turn him into an offensive lineman, he would have had the frame to be able to do it. Well, if anything happens to his shoulder or arm or whatnot, he could always, you know, just put on another 50 pounds and probably go for it. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure the Jets will be a, totally cool with that. Oh, God. the Jet, Yeah, he's with the Jets now, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, God. That's going to be weird. <laughs> that's going to be well, weird. He, he had a, a solid start to the year last year and then kind of tapered off because he's a Jet. Like, that's just how those things go. <laughs> Until they get that organization, that's probably gonna, how it's going to be, but... Anyway, we're yeah. a basketball podcast, so we should probably talk about basketball. I suppose. That's a good idea. Pat, you are a huge Nebraska ball fan, am I right? That's correct. How? What got you into Nebraska ball? Well, I mean, I played every sport as a kid, and I just I was just a Nebraska fan growing up. Everything that had the Nebraska name on it, I would root for Nebraska. And I, I, I'm also like a bit of a hipster at heart. And so I like there's I I root for the teams that are that are somewhat underdogs and so I mean I naturally I like Nebraska football but like there's never been that success 
of Nebraska basketball. I'm just like more invested in it because I want to see it because it's never happened. Like I've seen Nebraska play in five national championship games like that. And I've been alive, I guess, technically for six national championship games because I got in under the wire for the 83 season. Ooh, but how, how many days? Uh, I was born in September of 83. Oh, okay. So a few months. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was I was born just days before Nebraska hung 84 on uh, Minnesota. Ooh. But, uh, but yeah, so, like, I, I think there's – the longer Nebraska's gone – as the only power conference team without a, well, once they became the only power conference team without an NCAA tournament victory. And then the longer they've gone without that, it's almost created like more investment. It's like, Oh man, I, I want to, to see that. And Tweedy knows it. And so he tries to claim that he's the biggest Nebraska basketball fan. Dude, he's not, he, he doesn't fool anybody. Do we all know it's a joke? <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but for whatever reason, it still like stings my heart. So basically, Tim Miles was your ideal coach in that aspect. A little well, bit hipster, a little bit yeah. of underdog, you know, quirky. Uh, you know, never really got over the hump. Uh, made you, convinced you. He was great at convincing you to, in, you know, to invest in the program. So yeah, you know, but, but well, he, he really, he really tugged at you, man. Yeah. Well, there are a couple things with that. Uh, one, I think he, for, for all of his faults, what he did great is he taught, he he taught Nebraska basketball fans how to be basketball fans. I think Nebraska became better under him. And I think they'll be better for Hoiberg for that very reason. But also I like Tim Miles because while I was still working in sports, uh, after college, I was the, uh, I was the news and sports director at a radio station in Wayne. And so I traveled with the Wayne state basketball teams throughout the Northern sun intercollegiate conference, which Southwest Minnesota state is a part of, which is where Tim miles was. He and Greg McDermott coached against each other in the NSIC. So like I knew those gyms and those routes that Tim miles was traveling in division two and just kind of had a soft spot in my heart for him for that. And then when he came on to the Cobcast, like, you know, he, He's a jokester, and I, I like him because he gave us the time of day twice. Because before we upgraded our studio and our equipment, uh, there were some phone line problems. And so we just had to to hang up. And then when he gave us an interview a second time, I was like, oh, man, he did not have to do that for a little rinky-dink podcast. And he did. And he did promise me that if he was ever out in L.A., he'd do a comedy show with me. The problem is... Uh, that didn't happen before uh, things fell apart at Nebraska. It could still but I still happen. feel like he'd do it if I talked to him. Yeah. I got a feeling he feel would like too. Do it. It, and honestly, like that was, I remember that podcast when it came out, it, it was not only a great podcast, but it was kind of, it was kind of one of the ones in my mind that kind of brought you guys up to the next level. Oh, and, thanks man. It just, you know, cause it's one thing to bring former players on. There, there's a lot of podcasts out there who bring former players on, uh, but to get an actual live Division One, any type of coach to come onto your podcast, because I've reached out to a few uh, coaches, media personalities, and because of their contracts, because of their the companies who are they with, they can't come on to outside media recording, you know. 
So it's tough to get somebody like that on there, at least in my experience. But I'm I'm a nobody in this. You guys at least have a track record. But so, so the fact that you guys brought on Tim Miles, I thought I thought was huge. And if anybody, if nobody's, uh, if if people on here have not listened to that episode, go find it. It's on the Cobcast archive. It's uh, it's just a really great insight. It's basically who you expect Tim Miles to be. Yeah, no, he was great. Like uh, if he could have mailed that in, and there there are some. There are some people who sometimes do, but like, and we try and I feel like we keep people off balance enough that it's hard for them to mail it in because we're just, I don't know, we're just there to, to BS and have fun with people. We're not like going for probing information, but, uh, yeah, tell, it tell, is a, tell that to uh, Harrison, <laughs> uh, but we, uh, but there is an extra level, an extra layer to try and get someone who's working in the athletic department. Cause I used to work as a sports information director. Like, uh, I know I say this on the Cobcast a lot, but like at VCU and at the Patriot league and places like that. And so I kind of am somewhat familiar with like the, the sort of patterns with how you go about getting people on a show, but it, but you know, when it's a former player, you can kind of cut out the middleman. You can just, as long as you can get a hold of them on social media, you can just contact them. And it's because a lot of how we get our interviews is just cold calling basically and saying, saying who we are, what we do. But, you know, with Tim miles, you got to go or with anybody who's uh, an acting coach, you've got to go through the gatekeepers at the university. You got to talk to Seamus. Yeah. And Seamus did well by us. And so, I mean, cause he, he could have swatted us away pretty easily too. And I think I think, and I've been told this by a couple that uh, the SIDs at Nebraska are actually really good in comparison to a lot of college athletics. Oh yeah, uh, like Jeremy Foote has always been really good. It, so he's from Wayne too. Jeremy Foote is uh, the baseball contact, and so I mean I don't know they, the everyone I've dealt with has been super professional. I've only I've only worked with a couple of the the UNL sports information directors, but yeah, it, I know from just my own experience working as a sports information director, cause you have to work with other teams, sports information directors. Uh, some are way cooler than others. Uh, you know, cause you're, you've got to exchange information and. Well, you're the, gate- you're the gatekeeper of that team or that athletic department and any, you know, good or bad information if it gets out and you don't want it to get out it's on your hands so yeah so so you've really got to be protective over you know who you let go out what information you let go out verifying things and that could lead to a lot of people being very insular with how they treat outside sources so the fact that, that you get that type of interaction from Nebraska athletics i think goes a long way yeah well and i think it's a matter of knowing probably who they trust uh for those types of things like tim miles uh when when bo polini was still around and not you know shall we say super outgoing they used the hell out of tim miles in that athletic department and i i think you know they 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 knew there was no there was no worry of him embarrassing the university in any way so they they as long as he had the time they they were willing to let him go and do whatever. That's awesome. 
I never realized. I mean, he explained so many of the interviews he did, but he... Okay, so Miles is gone. Ho- Fred Hoiberg's in. What are your initial thoughts of Hoiberg before he coaches a game? Man, uh, Nebraska just decided to play big boy basketball. Because I think it, it's clear to everyone who's follows college basketball at all that the resources are now there for Nebraska. And as long as you get people on campus, they, they recognize that it's a it's a good city. It's a good campus. It's got tons of uh, it's got tons of resources for the basketball program. And then you just need that space and that ability to develop talent. And and you know that ability to develop talent is the face that helps draw people there. And you know there was always just the thought. I, I think this is going to change the the hires for a lot of Power Five programs that maybe haven't had traditional basketball success like your, your Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's or uh, say like a, a Cal Berkeley, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to swing for the fences because that, I don't know, man, like there was always just this justification to Nebraska. And I think it's what's made uh, the baseball hire a little bit weird because Nebraska's just decided they're going to go out and get whoever they want, whenever they want. And there, there's, a, there's a level of realism involved in it. Like if, if he didn't have the family tie and if there weren't a lot of millions of dollars attached to the contract, probably none of this happens, but there was the effort rather than, I mean, I, I loved Tim miles, but an immediate settling for a guy who got to the round of 64 at Colorado state, there's a big difference between that and a guy who's been to the sweet 16 and has uh, coached in the NBA. Uh, it's a huge, huge, huge step up as far as effort uh, in the hiring process. And probably confidence on top of that. Nebraska is probably finally at a place or at least has the administration with the confidence to move forward and the ability to actually throw money. Like you said at the beginning, that that's something historically Nebraska has never been in a comfort level to do. No, well, I mean that that Big Ten money is being put to use. That's for sure. Yeah, l- luckily we came into the conference with the uh, with, with the ability to utilize it right away, and we didn't have to throw it towards debt when we came in. Uh, th- that was huge, and I think that's you know that's exactly why we got Scott Frost with the money we had, and it's exactly why we got Fred Hoiberg. What so, so this next year he's he's gutted the team. There's one guy from last year's team who even played uh, Thor, and it's a bunch of unknowns. From what you've seen, from what you've heard, from what you've read, wh- what are your thoughts on this team this early in 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 the summer? Well, I love the way Hoiberg is a teacher. I don't know if you've watched any of the videos that Nebraska has posted up of him. Uh, coaching just so like even keeled too. he's he's an instructor and so I think he's going to make all of these guys better now the big part for next year it's it's an intriguing roster and I think it could be really fun and I it, it'll just be how quickly do they gel I wish all of them would be able to make the the Italy trip preseason um but you know obviously that's not going to happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, like Yvonne is going to still be playing for the, uh, 
for the French U20 team. Um, so, it, but I, I think because the schedule is so weak to start out, they'll have a chance to build some momentum. That's what he, that's what Hoiberg did in his first year in Iowa State. And really the big thing is, and, and you see it too right now with Scott Frost, you, you try and keep as much of that momentum from the hire as possible and prove to people, hey, this is year one. We just, we're just laying a foundation, but it's a good foundation. It's, I think recruiting would be even a little bit higher for Frost right now than it is if it, just if they had gone six and six or seven and five last year. But there's still that excitement. They need to take a leap in year two or else he will start to see uh, recruiting fall off. And I think what Hoiberg's trying to do is just get in that 500 range, be in the conversation of the NCAA tournament and say, man, we've got a couple guys sitting out. We did all this with a brand new roster. Come on board and you'll see it's going to blow up in a second. So it'll, you, you agree with pretty much everybody else that this is going to take two, three, four years before we see any major fruit from the basketball program. No, 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 no. I, I think – I think they could make the tournament next year. Oh, straight I up. Think, okay. I don't. I don't know that they will. Uh, 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 I mean, really, you you just have to sniff how good the Big Ten is. You just have to sniff five hundred or, or be a shade over that to get into the tournament. Now, their non-conference schedule isn't that good, but if the Big Ten is good and they've built momentum, I mean, that's. And then you you steal some wins against some better competition like Michigan State, uh, then then it is possible. Now whether or not the Big Ten is good enough, who knows? Because Juwan Howard and Michigan, they'll be a huge question mark. Uh, and and that's that right there was one of your top level teams. So I don't know what to expect from the Big Ten. I don't think it'll take three four years. I think to really see it humming it'll definitely need to be year two i but i think they'll be i think they'll fight like hell and be competitive next year it's just a matter of seeing how the pieces fit together hopefully some of those early really bad games turn into blowouts or at least give the guys enough room to 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 develop and to at least learn how to play together before the Big Ten slate hits. Because really, I mean, you look at that schedule, I mean, you got the Cayman Islands Classic that could turn into one or two decent games, but there's nothing on that schedule until Creighton. And I haven't, yeah. even, looked, I haven't even looked at how good Creighton's going to be yet next year. And, and I, I couldn't really tell you either. I, th- I think the big part of where the schedule or where the uh, roster will gel and, and what's, uh, what's going to be kind of a big question mark Matt Abdamasi has talked about this. He, they don't like to do grad transfers too much because that's their last year. That's their last go around. They kind of want to be the guy. And there are a few more grad transfers on this roster that I think they would normally go with. And at least one or two of them will probably have to come off the bench next year. So it'll be real, real interesting to see how that sort of dynamic plays out. Uh, I would love, 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 <laughs> I know it's not going to happen, but I would love it if Derek Walker could somehow get a waiver because we just need another big body. But I think Shamil Stevenson will be interesting because he'll at least play starting in January, and there's a real good chance it sounds like he'd get a waiver 
to start out at the beginning of the year. He's a he's a wing, and you know most of Nebraska is going to be a wing team. But he's six six two forty five. I mean he he might be a guy who's expected to kind of bang up against some of those. He's got the size bigger, to compete in the Big Ten. Yeah, even though he's technically a guard, uh, he'll be able to bang with some of those Michigan State kind of guys in the Big Ten. And he may be asked to do that because even though Cavus has a couple inches on him, Stevenson has 45 pounds on Cavus. Cavus, I mean, is a little bit like, uh, man, I'm drawing blanks on names tonight. Um, come on. What's the name of our Australian? Jack McVeigh. Oh, okay. uh, uh, I mean, he's built like McVeigh. Another and fellow podcaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tweedy came up with the the nickname of the because of his last name McVeigh. He's like, is it is it bad if I call him the Pinnacle Bank Bomber? I'm like, go ahead and say it if you want, man. <laughs> it worked. It it did. It worked well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, th- that makes sense, and and I and I agree with you. In terms of, I, I guess I should say, who. Who's going to come out as, as the starting five? Who do you think's going to po- possibly be starting that first game? Or do you even think we have a, even a close idea until they go to Italy and we actually see them on the floor? I don't even know that we'll know after Italy. I don't even know that we'll know by the time the Big Ten season starts who that starting five is going to really end up being. Um, I could see Yvonne, the French kid, being kind of by necessity – our big man, but I also could see them say, you know what? Neither he, uh, nor the, uh, nor Kevin cross. They, neither of those guys might be ready in their minds to, to start game one. They might, I could see them just say, screw it and roll out five guards. Um, I don't know. Like there were a lot of good things said about Deshaun Burke last year. Um, I think, Cheatham is kind of because he was the first guy to, to really commit like new guy to commit to Hoiberg. Um, I think he's kind of now fallen under the radar for people, but I think I, 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 he might be the one guy who I really think we see start. Well, besides, okay. So I say one and I'm about to add two more cam Mack and uh, Jervé green. I mean, though, the athleticism of Mac and Green will just be, uh, it, it, it'll be really hard to keep those guys off the floor. Isn't Mac a little uh, a little green, though, in certain areas? I remember reading that from a few different... I mean, he's a pure point guard, yeah. who's like the probably the closest thing to a pure point guard that we've got on the roster. I think Jervé Green can absolutely play point guard, but I think they want to probably try and keep him off the ball a little bit. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. In terms of Fred's offensive scheme, he's he's a heck of a lot different than Coach Miles. He's fast-paced, he's up and down the court, and he loves to shoot the threes. How do you think that's going to transition into the Big Ten? Well, I mean, it's a little bit like I, I keep bringing Scott Frost and football back into it, but I think it's a little bit like that because people question, will you be able to do that? fast-paced spread, uh, go, 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 go type offense in the Big Ten. And, you know, Scott Frost said, I'm hoping they'll have to adjust to us. And I think it'll be the same with uh, 
with Hoiberg and Nebraska ball, because I, I, I don't know. I just think that, uh, I mean, there, there will be times that big 10 teams will be able to exploit, uh, weaknesses and deficiencies from Nebraska. But if they're able to do that, Nebraska will be able to turn around and do that right back to them. Uh, and I, I think, I think it'll be really interesting to see the chess matches of teams that, you know, roll out the big bangers in the paint trying to compete with Nebraska. If Nebraska can get the skill that they want to, to run this offense, uh, they're going to be real tough to beat because, sure, you might be able to drop a bunch of big guys into the paint all the time, but you know what? If you've got the skill to go possession for possession, three points beats two points every time. If, if you're shooting 40% beyond the arc, you're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, it's, and it sounds like that's what Hoiberg wants. He wants guys yeah. to not only shoot them, but to get guys who can just basically just bomb those suckers out there. And when you do that, when you're shooting 40% from the three, those big guys underneath the basket aren't going to be doing a whole lot. No, and and especially if you get up and down the floor, eventually you're going to take away some of that offensive game from those big guys because they're going to get gassed. And I think if you have just enough guys like Yvonne and Kevin Cross, if, you know, if Yvonne can really round his game out and Kevin Cross can get into prime game shape, you'll have enough of those guys that you can kind of roll them out and uh, hold their own down low with the Michigan States of the world. Like Yvonne, uh, he is like for a 17 year old, that guy is built. He's huge. He's and and there's a lot of unknown with him too. There's not a whole lot of video, at least that I've seen of him play. Well, I saw him in the, the U 18 Euro tournament and there wasn't a lot of diversity to his offensive skill set. Uh, it was basically catch and he made, he had some good moves underneath the basket, but it was, everything point blank, but man, he rebounded the hell out of the ball. Uh, he's a, he's a physical dude. Uh, some people have pointed out that he'll probably have to tuck the elbows in because he, he can swing those around a little bit. And we've, we're quite familiar with foul trouble with our big men at Nebraska. So hopefully that can get taught out of him. Yeah. Last thing we need is another Alameda just throwing his body anywhere he wanted. Hell, I was thinking as recently as Roby. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Speaking of Roby, Oh yeah, transitions. Yeah, transition. That was perfect. Beautiful. You, you. It seems like you know what you're doing here. No, uh, <laughs> Isaiah. Isaiah technically got drafted by Detroit. Ended up at Dallas. As yeah, the 45th pick in the second round. 49. Uh, yeah, I knew it was mid 40s. Something like that. Anyway, he's going there. He's going to play NBA ball one way or the other. What are your What are your thoughts on this? I don't follow the NBA well at all. I do. I, I like the NBA. I, I think he's going to spend some time in the G League. Uh, Rick Carlisle doesn't doesn't play young. He doesn't like to develop guys really on the floor. Luka Doncic uh, just happened to be already really developed uh, as a player, as a teenager. So they didn't, you know, so it wasn't a, a big deal. They, they could trot him out on the floor a lot. I, I think Roby has a, a real chance of being a player. It's just a matter of, 
can he develop that confidence? Because he's got a well-rounded game. He just didn't show it as much by the end because it looked he looked rattled at times uh, out on the perimeter. But and I, it looked like he lost some weight uh, during the uh, during the pre-draft process. I hope he can get a lot of that back because his physique by the end of his time at Nebraska was a, a true NBA body. It, he looked really young in the pre-draft process, but I, I think he's got a real chance. It's just a matter of, you know, de- development and where, where he ultimately ends up. I know he's with Maverick right now, but you know, in a lot of that early career portion, the uh, guys move around, um, you know, a lot of 10 day contracts here and there. So, you know, hopefully he can find a, a good place to develop and a good place to stick. Cause I, I he seems like a good kid. Uh, he's a hell of an athlete and, you know, I, it'd be good for Nebraska basketball. I, I just didn't do the math in my head until Reese Davis said it on the, uh, on NBA draft night that he was the first Husker draft pick in 20 years. That 20 just freaking years. That hurt my heart, man. I knew, I knew it, I knew it was well over a decade, but I didn't realize 99 was the last time we had a guy go in the draft. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I mean, we had a we had a pretty good run there for a while, you know, with the Mikey Moores and the Tyron Lues and the Eric Stricklands of the world. Like that was a that was a that was a pretty that was a pretty solid period for a team that never won uh, an NCAA tournament game. Uh, they they put together some pretty solid rosters. And all those guys, they, they did fairly well in the NBA. I mean, they weren't world beaters, but they you know some of them were journeymen. But, uh, you know, they, they all played decent amount of time throughout their careers. It's not like they were, you know, two, three years, eh, didn't work out, now I'm going to go be an accountant. You know, they, they, all, yeah, they, they uh, all played well. Yeah. By the way, do you know who that last NBA draft pick was in 99? I looked it up. It starts with a V, right? Yeah, Vincent Hamilton. That's who it was, yeah. I How totally old are you, man? It. Huh? How old are you? 37. Okay, we're we're in the we're in the roughly the same. I'm 35, so you know, we're we're in that same period. Yeah, how I don't get how Nebraska had Mikey Moore and Vincent Hamilton just like back to back, like a couple long, athletic big men, just like on the same roster. That's unreal. Yeah, it was. Th- those were good days back then. You know, even those last yeah. couple years under Danny Knee where things weren't quite as good as everybody wanted. But uh, th- that's when Nebraska ball happened. That's when what we, you and I, guys like you and I, what we follow as Nebraska ball, that's when that was sparked. That's when all, yeah. you know, th- that's when knee basketball was spelled with two E's for Danny Knee. And, yeah. um, you know, th- we were competing well in the Big 8 and the Big 12. Uh, we were beating Kansas every once in a while, mind you. Kansas wasn't nearly as good back then. Yeah, we had more draft picks. We had more draft picks than Kansas this year. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, ew, this is a bad year for KU. That was for sure. But that's for another yeah. podcast. By the way, I don't you know, do. <laughs> you know who went? You want to know some of the the picks, or well, at least one of the picks who went after Benson Hamilton in that draft? Who? Manu Ginobili. Really? Yeah, Vincent Hamilton went 50th and Ginobili went 57th. I just looked this up. (laughs) 
Well, there was a Creighton player in between the two of them, too. Rodney Buford. Buford. Buford was a good player. Do you remember that name? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. These are names I have not thought about for a while. Go it's figure. been it's been a minute. It's been yeah, it's been twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well our time has come to a close. I gotta I gotta pull this out, but it's been great having you on here. Hopefully we can get you back on. Uh yeah, ho- awesome. Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it and um next time we'll make sure Nate's on here too. Awesome. Well thanks for having me, man. All right. Thanks. Thanks.